Welcome to Never Too Serious with Scott. Dave, I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. Uh, what are we talking about today, Dave? All kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is there anything new with you? Yeah, the dang dog I got. This puppy. It's like we're stuck. It's like a newborn. It sucks. Totally sucks. <laughs> yeah. I oh, man. And it's like peeing all over the house and... I mean, there's like shit droppings and yeah, I'm just like, is it chewing up your furniture yet? And I've been really on it about chewing on stuff. It shouldn't. We've got different toys that are specifically hers. And so we give those to her. But it's like, you know, my hands are scratched up and my arms are preach. (laughs) It's like because those puppy teeth are so stinking sharp. Razor. Yeah. Mm hmm. I, I mean, I, even my face. Wake me up in the morning. too. Yes. Give me kisses, kisses. Why not eat it? (laughs) My feet. Yes. I don't know if yours uh, is going to do it, but, you know, started chewing up uh, our table, our mm-hmm. wall. He's trying to chew our concrete step. Mm-hmm. And, but I am very honest. I try to be as honest as I can of a person, but I honestly hated almost truly. I mean, there's times I loved it, but almost hated my dog for, for, for the first six months. Yeah. Terrible. I'm like pissed. And you're sitting there. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. We're sitting there going... Oh, fuck, like five minutes we go by, Amy and I panic. Like, wait, if it's quiet, we're like, fuck, yeah. fuck. And we have to get up and go out and find him. Sure as shit, he's down there chewing the fuck on our table. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, or sitting in the craft room. But, <laughs> Which happened. Oh. I mean, it was like literally I was working on like a, a, a two-minute text with a, with one of my clients, and and all of a sudden... I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Opal, where are you? And uh, didn't hear anything. I'm running around the house. And then finally I get over to Jenny's craft room. And I can see this little little head over there. And I'm like, what's what going on? Oh, no. Shit all over the floor. Mm. I'm like, ah. So. You know, so even Dauber, I got to tell you, or my first bulldog, <clears throat> as a puppy... I mean, I learned, and I knew I know quite a bit about animals or dogs before I got them, but but I did a no no, and I gave him way too much space. Oh, and I gave him a whole room to himself, and he literally went. I don't know how he did it, but like like almost a foot up off the floor. Mine's just a puppy. Yeah, poop on the wall, 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 the way around, and he's just over there freaking out. So we like wake up or either come home. I can't remember when. And I hear this, just a ruckus up there. And he's just, and who knows how long he's just doing it. I just think he's just going all the way around the freaking wall. And it was just destroyed. You need to get him in a small little place because that yeah. way you can't, they don't move around. Mm-hmm. It's, and they could, yeah. You remember the Simpsons with uh, Spider Pig? On yes, the- I do. <laughs> That reminds me. <laughs> it's, it's not too far off. But yeah, yeah, we got a little, a little like fenced area in the in the kitchen Ooh, so how's that holding up pretty good so far yeah yeah how old is this dog uh, it'll be nine weeks here shortly yeah yeah it's horrible <laughs> it's i know horrible. i know I mean, it'll it, grow it, into it, something amazing just yeah. remember that i know it's hard I, to I keep deal reminding, with it though i keep re- reminding everyone around me that you know but the famous I, words my dad would always give always give me this too shall pass. Yeah. I just have to I, be consistent and get through it. I get mad. I got mad, you know, when it was happening, when it was happening to me, I get mad at myself because I paid what? Like two, I can't remember how much, like two grand? Yeah. I paid two grand 
to have this happen to me. Yeah. And I brought it. I voluntarily oh, brought this shit into my life. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It turns into amazing. I know. But boy, when you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. That's six months. Everything else goes by fast, but that, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. We got discount 1500 and and I am definitely feeling like, oh, why did I do this to myself? Mm. Uh, <laughs> especially because we just started going back to school now and like the house is getting busy again and we got this dog. So, well, so tell us, um, what, uh, what, what breed is it? What'd you get? This is a golden doodle. Golden doodle. And you had what before? Yeah. So we had a golden doodle. A golden doodle before, but what was the difference? Um, is the color oh, por- the same? No, Porter, Porter was a boy and, uh. Opal's a girl. That's really the only difference really? between yeah the dogs. And we didn't intend it to be this way. Did I see a picture? I may not have seen a picture. Uh, well, I might have to. I'll, I'll put well, a you picture might. Up. I'll put a picture up. <clears throat> yeah, because it's... Uh, yeah, she's a little shit. <laughs> well, she'll fit right in. <laughs> uh, yeah, she does. Um, it's just the timing is, is really bad. But you know what? Oh, if they weren't boy. so darn cute, I mean, it would be... Yeah. Um, in other news, mm-hmm. DB Cooper. We were going to talk about DB Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. You watched a little bit on. Uh, well, I mean, you are a native Oregonian, pretty much, and as am I. And this is kind of an Oregon story. Yeah. Yeah. I I've heard about him quite a bit, and so you know, I, I just brushed up a little bit. I like to keep it a little bit, a little bit blind sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you have something new that I haven't uh, heard about, it's kind of fun to hear on, you know, while we're doing the show. So Yeah, but you know the basics of the oh, story. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, so D.B. Cooper, for those of you that don't know much about D.B. Cooper, D.B. Cooper is like the first hijacker in the U.S. that hijacked a plane for ransom. Yeah. And was very successful. And successful, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is, there are a lot of other. Well, this was in 1971, and at the time, this was kind of a new thing. There were some issues with like other international flights and that sort of thing, but this was the first one in the United States. And then this spurred on some copycats and oh, some yeah. other ones, and and flight travel has changed ever since. A lot, yeah. Thanks, DB. Yeah, <laughs> which <clears throat> which isn't even his real name. It's yeah. just. Isn't that stupid? Yeah. So do you, <laughs> the dang media. That's, yeah, that's his name is Daniel Cooper, mm-hmm. and and I, I think it was a newspaper misprinted a DB, and everybody was reading DB, and just because it was kind of catchy, they stuck with it. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. So, so I will dumb. say this: that was one of the things I picked up that I heard this time. I did not know that. I I. Mm-hmm. I you know, in fact, I was going to ask you, well, I wonder what the B stands for. I think it's just a screw up. And that's what it was. Yeah. I was like, oh, and we went with, we just decided to go with it. Yeah. You know. That's what drives me crazy. We're the people that, you know, uh, allowed Millie Vanilli to do their thing. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but. I was in uh, track and field as in, when I was in high school, and I got good enough to get the local newspaper to come out and, you know, interview me and fe- oh. feature me. And, and I. I didn't realize, I thought, you know, I was so excited about having this newspaper person talk to me. Yeah. And then when I read the article, they had misquoted me in a whole bunch of different areas. And when I was following this D.B. Cooper thing and realized that the D.B. was 
was wrong from the media it just took me back and i realized you know what i'm i'm guessing that this is a very common thing like media is not it's not like the fbi or some other like government thing where they actually no. have to document it very precisely they're like taco bell employees they'll <laughs> screw it up every time your order <clears throat> yeah. no so it's funny you said that because i was just thinking when you were talking about that too was when I when I was uh, playing football, mm-hmm. I was the new kid, and they thought great stuff of me. Boy, were they wrong! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was a big guy; they didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Mongo. And um, did they do a, uh, an article? Or but something? yeah, I had somebody come out, and and they did a interviewed me, and I wow, felt like, oh my gosh, I'm on cloud nine, right? And so, and I still have the article. Oh. But dang it, if there wasn't typos, and if it was wrong on some things, and it was like. Ugh. It was kind of, I, I was like, I can't believe that. But to your point, is there is there a story that isn't right, mm-hmm. or that isn't wrong? Yeah. yeah. You just never know if it's coming from a newspaper or some sort of media outlet. And it's worse, of course, now with social media. That's even worse than regular right. standard media. But, and, 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 and this is while people are trying to be honest. Mm-hmm. They yeah, screw yeah. up. Yeah, it's not like they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> right. I mean, now it might be different. It might be different. Well, now, yeah, right. But back in this, like, like these yeah. occasions, but, but, this is just a... Just a typo. But that's what bothered me when I was starting to kind of research this stuff a little bit more is that I tried not to rely on newspaper stuff because the newspapers, I just, they already got the name wrong. What else are they going to get wrong? And they go with it. And they go with it. (laughs) Yeah. It's what sells papers, I guess. Uh, Okay. So let me just give you a a, a quick rundown of of the story. So this was Thanksgiving Eve. So the November 24th, 1971, D.B. Cooper in this case, Dan Cooper, uh, was the first person to hijack a plane for ransom. He bought a flight on a Boeing 727 at 2.45 p.m. headed to Seattle. This was on Flight 305 on Northwest Orient. I didn't know that Orient was was an airline at the time. Huh. Uh, Me neither. Yeah. So the guy, Dan Cooper, he... Fills out his, you know, the ticket information as Dan Cooper. There's no DB anywhere, <laughs> as we've established. So he he gets on a plane. He's like described as being in his mid forties, dressed in a business suit, uh, with some mirrored glasses. Sits down and orders a bourbon and seven on the rocks. Yeah, sounds like a relaxing flight. Yeah, sounds like right. Not a bad flight for what half an hour to get from Portland to uh, Seattle. So uh, there's a guy named Bill Mitchell who sits across the aisle from him in the back of the plane. Right. And he's kind of, I think he's still around, but the people who follow D.B. Cooper, this whole thing, he's kind of famous within those circles because he actually saw D.B. or Dan Cooper. Uh, Florence Schaffner was, was a flight attendant. She was, uh, you know, attending to Dan Cooper and he passes her a note. Right. What's interesting is that at the time, these people, the uh, flight attendants, uh, stewardesses were sexually harassed constantly. And so getting a note from a stranger was pretty typical. Was common. Yep. <laughs> and so she kind of ignored it. And then he brought her attention back to the note and said, Miss, you might want to look at that. You might want to look at that. So the note said that there was a bomb and that he would like her to sit by him. So she did. Wow, really? If I heard there was a bomb, I probably wouldn't want to come sit by you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty like, sure I'd I'm gonna wanna... hurt, It's going to hurt here <laughs> yeah. or there. I'm not going near you. Well, she later described him as being pretty pretty nice. Pretty nice guy, yeah. 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 Of course so, he would be. Uh, so she, he, he ends up showing um, one of the flight attendants the bomb, you know, in the briefcase. And uh, basically, I'll shorten the story a little bit, he asks for $200,000. And in, I guess he said in, in U.S. currency... And um, four parachutes. So the flight attendant goes up, talks to the, you know, the the flight crew, and they pass this message along. And all of a sudden, it's like this big thing yeah. that none of the passengers know about. They're oblivious that there's anything going on. Yeah. So the captain basically says, "Hey, we've got some engine problems, and we're gonna f- we're gonna fly and burn off some fuel." Meanwhile, the pilots are talking with the FBI and, you know, ground staff and are arranging for this $200,000 and the the four parachutes. So the plane basically circles around Seattle area waiting for all of this stuff to be arranged. And once it's arranged, they land and they they park the or, you know, taxi the plane off to some far off place and park. And it's like a mile away from the terminal. And then they bus all the people off. Once the the people are off and back at the main terminal, there's like news crews everywhere. (laughs) And they have no idea what's going going on. on. And all of a sudden, news crews are like asking, you know, you just got off the flight with, uh, you know, it's been hijacked. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) So anyway, it was a surprise to them. Later, so the the plane refuels. They bring the money on board. Yeah, they comply, the, by the way. They comply, exactly. Yeah. What do you think they'd do now today? Probably blow the freaking yeah. plane out the sky. <laughs> well, they could take us down. Um, just shoot it down. It, it makes you know. wonder. I don't think that they would give him shit. After, you know, after 9-11, I'm not sure that guy with the bomb is going to be conscious some people are just, they're not going to put up with it anymore. They're going to risk and yeah. just go after. Go All after it took we was a from. box cutter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They don't let you take much onto a plane anymore. Yeah. So the, uh, the plane takes off. D.B. Cooper's got his, his money and his parachutes, and they proceed to fly where he wants to go, which is, he said, Mexico City. They don't have enough fuel to go to Mexico City, so they suggest a reroute. And he said, they say suggest something like Reno, and he says, "Sure, that's fine. Let's go to Reno." <laughs> so, <laughs> See, I didn't know that. So yeah. they 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 suggested a, a place to go, and he said, "I, eh, I want right. I could be wrong on this. I don't have all of the details, uh, but the suggestion was, or that they basically said, "No, we can't. We can't make it to uh, Mexico City on you know with this fuel." And so, I, from what I understand, a suggestion was was Reno or something. I'd be like, like that. click, click, click. Remember, fuel yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, so that's what they do. They start <clears throat> heading that direction, and right around. Let me see what the details say. Okay, so they take off, and there's like two Air Force jets that are following them. He is very specific and says, "Hey, I don't want you to fly, you know, faster than what was it, 200 knots or something." and less like at 10,000 feet and I want you to fly with the flaps down which is a very weird request but then again he requested four parachutes as well <laughs> so uh right around 8 something 8:10 8:12 ish there was a change in air pressure 
in the plane and an alert saying that the rear door or stairs had been deployed. And then D.B. Cooper, sounds like he just jumped off the back with his parachute and his money. And we've not heard from him uh, since. Yeah. And no one knows for sure if he survived it or if he's still living today. There's thousands of suspects that the FBI has gone through, and there's very little evidence during this entire time. Right. And there's this huge, massive like cult following now. Well, it is the FBI investigating it, so. <laughs> well, and this is the FBI of long ago, so who knows? Yeah, you know? they might as well just put something together themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they just, I think, so there's a few different specials, and one of them I saw was on Netflix, and they were talking about this guy... What was his name? I think his name was Tom Colbert, maybe. And he was like a citizen investigating this, had an entire team, and at some point ended up suing the FBI and getting all these documents released. And the documents the FBI have has been released slowly over time in, in chronological order. So gradually more information is showing up about this case that the FBI knew about. Which is a good thing because that really is, that's the closest thing to evidence or facts. Right. Because all the media stories And if they are can't figure up. it out, for the love of God, give it to the millions of us to mess with, mm-hmm. you know, have fun with and figure it out ourselves. So there's a website, uh, Citizen Sleuths, that's, they're mm. totally dedicated to this particular case. Mm. And they do meetups and... You know, reminds me of the uh, Flat Earthers. <laughs> so I was just going to say, so they're not very successful. Uh, I mean, it's been going on for a long time. and uh, They have uncovered way more evidence than the FBI. Well, I believe that, yeah. but... It, I mean, part of it is that the FBI has supported... By the time they figure something else, figure it out, mm-hmm. ain't nobody going to care. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's still a really cool little story. But like most stories that you get hung up on is, you know, the public really got drawn to this. And all they did is like lift up a loser. Mm-hmm. This guy's a freaking loser. Sorry, but, you know, he what he threatened to kill a bunch of people, you know. He, With a bomb, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. For money. Selfish bastard, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, uh, you know, had put a scare in a lot of people or a few. And he, well, no, a lot. You know, just because he didn't tell the people there, there's a lot of people on the ground that knew. But, yeah, I mean, and, and it sucks for me that this guy gets praise. And you know what? If he was still with us, I wonder how old he would be at this point. He uh, would be in his upper, uh, upper 90s, I think. Is that yeah. right? They, would, they, they would praise him, not be mad at him for doing it. Because, again, yeah. like what you mentioned, him, who started a lot of these things, is which these copycats and stuff, and but now we have to jump through hoops to make sure these kind of guys don't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and, so, And I don't know how much of this would be inevitable with security changes and stuff, but... Yeah, probably. But, you know, but somebody yeah, he had was, to kick it off. He did kick it off. Fucking bastard. <laughs> Sorry. It sucks. Everybody that flies knows it sucks, you know? Losers like this and, and, and 9-11 losers, you know? This is one of the reasons why I don't like flying is because of all the security and stuff you had to yeah. go through. Oh, it makes, it makes me a lot more anxiety yeah. for travel, for sure. Especially if, the, you know, 
what they did with me, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't get into it. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your experience with TSA, was yeah. that fun? <laughs> yeah. Three hours of interesting. Yeah. Well, so there's a, the evidence that's left over from this is very small. One of the biggest things was the money. Where'd the money go? Yeah. In 19, I want to say 1980-ish, there was about, was it, you said it was like 50-something hundred? It was in the 80s. I thought it was more recent than that. I mean, you might be right, but... I think I did write it down someplace. I'll take a look. Yeah, but regardless, mm -hmm. they found, mind you, they they thought that they had a a location of of where to look and find, you know, where he had bailed out. Mm -hmm. And where this, I believe it was a... Oh, I'm going to get this wrong, but who cares? There was a father and son or something like that hanging out at, on a beach, and, and the kid was digging around and found some money, and then they dug out a total of like, I'm going to get it, it's not exact, but 5600 bucks or something, five, over five grand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think they turned it in, and they checked the number, and the numbers, because they, they copied all the numbers, you know, that they, uh, they gave him. All the serial numbers. Serial numbers, sorry. And those were them. Yeah, how freaking cool was that for so many people to go? Oh my gosh, we actually have physical evidence of to tie that. How about this? We've got proof that it happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who's to say it didn't happen. Uh, that's a very good point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I did write it down. It's fifty eight hundred dollars. Uh, three right? three bundles of moldy cash. That's right, was, moldy cash was found on the Columbia River Febu- February seventh, nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. I thought for some reason it was yeah not that long ago. And this is a unique piece because. You know, we're we're living in Oregon, and uh, the Columbia River separates the state of Oregon and the state of Washington. So Columbia River is really not that far away. We've been on that river quite a few times. Oh, yeah. We've driven over that river quite a few times. Sure. And it's not that far. Uh, it's sort of like, oh, wow, such a famous thing happened here. This is where they found that money. And, and yeah, the, the, the money was found by a, a family, a, a boy, who was digging around and found, you know, I think they were camping or something. Yeah. Uh, and they found this money. But what's interesting is it's so far away from where they suspected That's right. the guy uh, to land. Right. To land with and, his parachute. And it's just so, which, you know, by the river, did did those three bundles, like, float down the river and land in that one spot? It's kind of hard, right? Yeah. That's hard to believe. You know? And so it... I just, you know, how do you, it'd be really cool to be able to know how that got there. Yeah. Well, so, um, so there's a, a town called, um, Ariel, Washington. And, uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to bring it up so you can see it on, on screen here. But, you know, my opinion real quick is mm-hmm. about <clears throat> if he lived or not, for sure. Come on. You know, he, he wouldn't have jumped out of a plane without having experience in a parachute. And most people with experience with a parachute could jump out a hundred times, survive a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this one would be different. I don't think 200 grand weighed that much. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I think there are some details about this that are kind of confusing because of some assumptions made that someone who couldn't parachute would be able to do this and survive. But, um, but a lot of people have already done this. There's actually, I think there's a company who, who has that will recreate the scenario and mm-hmm. let people jump out of the back of it. Is that right? <laughs> yes. It, because it, it's just, uh, you know, if I was to do it, and I, and I, I don't have any parachuting experience, mm-hmm. I'd be concerned. I'd probably break my legs coming down on a landing. landing. 
you know, but <laughs> you've watched I, enough movies, you know. I could probably know what what which which Tuck one to roll. pull. <laughs> Tuck and roll. <laughs> I might forget to pull the screen. Do I, does it open automatically? What? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but. Uh, okay, so this is uh, Ariel Washington. This is an area that that people have thought that this is where he actually jumped out and probably landed based on the direction that the plane was going because, you know, they were headed to Reno and it was on autopilot to Reno. So they know where this plane was. They knew where it was going, what time it was at different locations. And they recorded... That's right. That That's right. They, they pinged them all the way. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was followed by two um, fighter jets. Yeah, see, that's that's the... F- the odd thing is how they might have missed him. Because the plane was flying too slow for the fighter jets to to, to follow. Okay. They had, I was to wondering... keep, they had to keep breaking off and circling back because the with the flaps down and the plane going so slow. Because when you were reading that, I was wondering if that's where he was going because they can't, they don't have that gear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can't so, go slow enough to. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, so. Yeah, that's kind so of an interesting little the guy, tidbit. So the guy that, w- to be able to. He didn't like just think about, oh man, I'm so bored. You know what? I want to give I'm gonna give this a shot today. He planned this out. Mm-hmm. He would not have he would not have um um jumped out of uh, that plane without any uh, knowledge of a parachute. And he had a purpose for getting four. There's just too many things that went right for him for it not to be planned. And he so, had to have planned it. Was it was so freaking easy. And and I I know it had to be part of it was the time. Yeah. You know, if, especially if it hasn't really happened, everything's easier at that point, mm-hmm. you know, but it just was, it was so slick. Yeah. I don't know. Well, okay. So we're looking at the map. Uh, this is Ariel Washington. This is near the Lewis River. And the, so the Lewis River, um, this is, what is this? Lake Merwin? My, my eyes it can't is, see this far away. So Lake, Lake, Mer- Lake Merwin goes empties into the Lewis River. Lewis River then empties down into the Columbia River. But what's interesting is that it empties down to the Columbia River downstream of where they found the money. So the money was found upstream of this location. Of this river. And so it would be very difficult to see money floating upstream and landing on the beach like if he jumped out, a couple bundles fell, landed in the water, and floated down, and then mm-hmm. floated upstream, upstream, and the three bu- the uh-huh. bundles happened to yeah. land in the right spot. And I heard that there was there was some guy who said, you know, we think that we figured out how that could happen because they they thought that this was money that was just sort of um, you know that fell out and traveled on its own to this final resting place. And they said, well, it could travel upriver if this bag of money got caught up on a lot of the boat traffic. Because there's a lot of larger vessels that travel up the Columbia River, um, like barges and other things. And so they suggested that this could have gotten uh, tangled up and then left. No. And, and that's my opinion. I go, they're reaching. That, that's very reaching. Mm-hmm. That's like you're doing problem solving and just plug in the problem without doing the solving mm-hmm. you know that, that's they already had a goal uh, a conclusion a conclusion mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah so the the distance between that i mean we're talking about i don't know 100 some odd miles yeah from from the potential landing area down river and then up river it's just it doesn't to me it doesn't make much sense to be able to do what they said 
what these particular folks were talking about it doing. So anyway, so that's an it's an interesting thing because yes, it is the money. It's confirmed because of the serial numbers. What's what's also interesting is that no other money from this heist has ever been found in circulation or not. Never been found. Hmm. This is the only money that they have found. So five, does almost, almost six not, grand of the two hundred thousand. <clears throat> but does that prove that it's not circulating? Like. Let's say he's out there and he's he made it somewhere and he's just buying stuff, buys a car. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, they take it and they don't know anything about it, right? Take it to the bank. They don't really know anything about it. They don't scan all the serial numbers, especially back then. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, uh, who's to say it just didn't get recirculated? I don't know. No, I, I, yeah, I don't know enough about how money, how money is transferred through. I mean, $200,000 in 20s, I mean, it's not that much money, but it kind of is. If someone's going to do a big purchase and it's in cash, that might set off some red flags and, and, you know, be scanned. If, if, um, I don't, I'm not sure how long the laws about watching money, you know, if there's a deposit over 10 grand. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. It's a red flag. I, yeah, I mean that should be, but I don't know in 1970 something if that was ever. I don't know if they red had flag. red flags mm-hmm. or anything to ping anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no other no other money had ever been been found, hmm. and there were some other suspects. There was a guy who was a suspect because he he had some experience, worked actually for this air, particular airline, and had kind of a grudge, and potentially could have. And he ended up buying a house and for cash or something. And it was very out of character. But it's still, you would expect a purchase cash like that in that volume. There should have been, especially knowing that this case was active, mm-hmm. that that would have been scanned for those, those uh, numbers. Yeah, well, if, especially if you take that, if the people that you know, sold it, if they take it to the bank, you yeah. know, they would be like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, it's just weird. Stuff like that, they typically wouldn't be doing that. They would just be uh, kind of financing their everyday life, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I, I think it's... I don't he, know. he may not, it, not have thought of everything. That's probably <laughs> true. Uh, some of the other evidence that was left behind. So the note that was passed to the flight attendant was actually uh, DB Cooper requested to bring that back. So that note was not recovered. Mm. See, he had some plans. So yeah, so that was a. I thought that was kind of interesting because normally you know you send a note off and wherever it ends up is where it ends up. But this was kind of a closed environment, and he asked asked for it back. I wonder. So that's not even in evidence. I wonder if he asked for the four backpacks for, or I'm sorry, uh, parachutes for either, you know, to make sure they're good or to maybe give them idea, imply that maybe there's more than one person. Okay, but let's talk about that. It's weird. Because that is a weird one. I, it's weird four, why he would ask that. He asked for four parachutes. My, my first instinct is he wanted to make sure that out of those four, there's a good one. I don't know. Like, if they do something funny, I don't know. 
uh, let's see if I can find the notes on the parachute. So there was two regular parachutes. Well, I shouldn't say regular. These are like military type parachutes that are not considered uh, like sport parachutes. Sport parachutes, you can kind of steer them and, you know, the flight characteristics are a little bit different. These military style, you would imagine, are more like, you know, like the paratroopers in World War II, where they just open up and wherever you end up is kind of where you end up. So he had two of those and two sport parachutes. He used the non-sport parachute. He probably used what he knew. Potentially, yeah. That's what I think. I think he's an old military guy that did that was a, was a, uh, I don't remember what they call him in the jumpers. Yeah, paratrooper. Paratroopers, is that right? So he chose not to use the sport one. The other interesting thing is that when they gave him the the parachutes, they provided instructions, and he refused to take the instructions. Yeah. So that's why I believe he survived. Yeah, I didn't so know it, that. But, yeah, so potentially but, he knew what he was. It sounds was like use. yeah, it sounds like if anybody would survive, he would because mm-hmm. he knows his. Sounds like he knows his stuff. He knows is asking the right questions. Yeah. So one of the guys on on one of these uh, Netflix, I think it was Netflix special, was talking about the parachutes. Well, why would you ask for four? And I, one of the things he said is, well, if you only ask for one. What if they just give you a parachute that's faulty? Right, that's what I was thinking. Like, just saw, yeah, just saw a little the... bit of the the cord out. Yeah, just let the guy jump out of the plane and die. But by asking for four, would that potentially suggest that he had anticipated having, uh, you know, hostages? Hmm. And if that's the case, you don't want to provide four f- or even one faulty one because you don't know which one the they're going to get. That's true. So hmm. was that planned? I don't know. But that's something, if it was planned, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Anticipate, yeah, I'm going to ask for four because they'll think that I'm taking people with me. And he could truly, and he could truly have wanted it just to throw people off mm-hmm. on, on, a, on the story, confuse them. Mm-hmm. So. so he did take one of the parachutes and took some of the paracord and use that to wrap up the the bundle yep. of money yeah. to to wrap around and attach to his body when he jumped. That money, though, the request was was two hundred thousand dollars in U.S. currency, but he didn't specify the type of bill. Mm. That's interesting because if you were to ask for it in hundreds, now you're talking about a much smaller package. Yeah. And they, they voluntarily gave him 20s? Yeah, they voluntarily <laughs> gave him 20s. More of those, yeah, they should have given him ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have been a much bigger load. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Because the funny. 20s, they said that it was like 20-something, 20 26 pounds or something right. of cash. Not on. much. Not much. That's, I mean, yeah, 20 pounds is not a lot. Now, Here, some people who maybe are not strong or prepared to carry 20 pounds you know maybe that's a lot for them but But if he was in the military and jumping he would jump for 60 or 80 pounds yeah like this is would be no big deal nothing Mm -hmm. that's like taking a lunch with him yeah but i mean uh two hundred thousand dollars in hundreds that's a smaller oh it is yeah put that put that in your sock yeah so why wouldn't he have done that route i don't know yeah there was one speculation that so there's a comic book that's on the like French Canadian side of Canada 
and it's a guy by the name of Dan Cooper. He's a comic book character. Have you heard of this? No. He's a sort of a superhero type. He's like a military pilot, and he has comic books that um, tell stories of him in battle and flying planes and jumping out of planes and being a hero. And his name is Dan Cooper. Hmm. Coincidence? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but with that, with that being said, some of these people are speculating that if he were an American citizen, he wouldn't ask for American currency. He would just assume that it's American currency. Why would you? Why would you specify American currency? And so people thought, well, well, maybe. What are they going to give him pesos? The, the only thing I would, well, <laughs> that makes sense. But I'm digging here, though. Mm-hmm. Is the only thing I could come up with on the top of my head is that maybe it's just so that they don't do anything and say, "Well, you didn't say it," you know? <laughs> uh huh. Like, well, it's like not specifying uh, the denomination. I would have yeah. asked for hundreds. <laughs> I mean, especially if you want to conceal it, you don't yeah. want to have a ton of cash on. And you. And, and who's it? well. I don't know how what it takes to get on a plane back in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have to show your ID to get on the plane. I don't think so. Back in the day, I think you just have to have a ticket. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have to have ID to buy a ticket back in the day. So my point is, is, is his name even Dan Cooper? <laughs> it's probably Sam. You know what I mean? <laughs> we probably have no idea. We're calling him the wrong name. Why would, if he has all this planned out... I mean, why not? What, what, what if the guy happens to 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 uh, know this guy that that has these uh, that you're talking about does the comics or whatever? Mm-hmm. And go, oh, I'm going to use his name. Oh, mm-hmm. huh. hey, that's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, I'm Clark Kent. Or yeah, I'm... <laughs> yeah. But still, I'm just, I mean, if everything else is just set up, then why can't his name be as well? Like I said, is it went so smooth because it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You can't plan for something that you didn't know was going to happen. Let me let me ask you, um, you know, because I want to say, hey, you know, what if, what if uh, the gentleman and the kid that found it and they were just having fun and said, hey, here's something that we found. We didn't have it. And it was D.B. Cooper that turned into 5,600, 5,800 bucks. Mm-hmm. But what if it was him? Except for, you know, we all have a sketch here. Yeah. Do you know how that sketch was brought about? Uh, as far as I know, this is from the flight attendant people. The flight attendant and maybe the other gentleman. Yeah, the that people that thought t- that they had interacted with him. So this could this is not just a idea. This is this is actually what people that what they what they recalled. So this seeing, this yeah. should be what he looks like. Yeah, but I mean, a police sketch. It's kind of interesting because when you start seeing the cast of characters the suspects uh, not anyone really i mean kind of potentially but not really some people are like oh that's him and then i look at him i go oh that doesn't really look like him at all uh let's take a quick break and we'll talk about those characters what do you say sounds great dave and i appreciate you listening to the show please take a moment and write a review on apple podcast or podchaser.com And since Spotify doesn't currently have reviews, simply telling your friends about the show would be great, too. Also, you can always reach out to us at our website, nevertoserious.com, or via our socials at the NTS Podcast. And seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, thanks again for listening to the show.
All right, we are back. We are. That was a good break. <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah, only only some technical difficulties. Just a couple. Yeah, but we're we're good now. Um, okay, so let's talk about the cast of characters. These are the folks that were under suspicion. There were over a thousand of them that the FBI came up with. And and, and I imagine that they had this this drawing to go off of. Mm-hmm. I can't believe there's that many people that look like it, but. I know there's other reason, things that they were probably drew to the people to investigate, but anyways, yeah, tell me about well, this, some of them. Doesn't that look like a young John Hyatt? Oh my gosh, I was totally <laughs> going to tell that to you, but I didn't think, I thought it'd piss you off. <laughs> so funny. I, the other one, the other picture over there, it mm-hmm. reminded me of him. Yeah, so John Hyatt is my, my grandpa. Hmm. What did he do with it? <gasps> <laughs> Dude, did he not? He was have in the butt- mil- he was in the Air Force, and he had a bunch of twenties rolled up, put in places, right. and quarters and dollars and stuff. <laughs> bunch of two dollar uh, bills too. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. Yes. Uh, okay, so let's talk about um, so the Netflix special. There was a guy, uh, Tom Colbert. Who th- that's kind of what the the Netflix it's like a four series or four episode series, and he's kind of like the main investigator person in this series. Okay, and he is talking about who he really thinks is DB Cooper, and he kind of goes through this process where he meets a guy who knows something, and then that leads to another guy who knows something, and leads to another guy, and eventually gets to this this other guy that he really thinks is is it. And I find it an interesting uh, process because this guy, uh, Tom Colbert, is not, he's not like an FBI guy. He's just a citizen investigator. I believe it. Now, he's done a lot of different investigations for different famous things, but this was the one that really caught him and he spent the majority of his, of his later career pursuing D.B. Cooper. Mm, and... Guy. Uh, so he he talks about he talks about this story where he meets a guy named Ron Carlson and basically is Ron Carlson is an old drug runner he used to be dealing or like running drugs um up the west coast and cocaine and, and other stuff the cocaine <laughs> yep uh and and so this guy had talked to another guy who claimed to be D.B. Cooper. Cooper. He said that his name was Dick Briggs. And Dick Briggs said that he was D.B. Cooper, but he, he couldn't tell everyone. It was just, you know, kind of a secret with, this, with him and, and this Ron Carlson guy. And, but he looked nothing like D.B. Cooper, nothing like the sketch. Yeah. He was a sort of a military guy, at least that's what they thought, but he was pretty buff. Like, he, he lift weights... He didn't, his face de- definitely didn't look like the D.B. Cooper right. sketch. Th- this looks like a uh, relatively small man. Yeah, slender. Slender man mm-hmm. is a good way to say it, yeah. Yeah, and this guy wasn't. But this guy was also, he was the, he provided this drug runner with drugs. So he was already in some criminal activities, but he often would uh basically try and make people believe that he was db cooper but then it was like secret he couldn't tell everyone only certain people yeah it doesn't sound like somebody that would be db cooper no no and especially considering what business he was in db cooper's case has nothing to do with drugs 
nothing right. to no, do yeah anymore. yeah anyway so this guy dick briggs from the portland area died in a car accident out in the middle of nowhere so kind of a mysterious death and so a lot of people go oh there's more drama there and so you know someone tried to shut him up or something uh-huh. right well this guy tom colbert investigating goes back and tries to find anyone who's sort of related to this Dick Briggs. And he comes across this other guy. And maybe I should back up. So Dick Briggs, the reason that he got on the radar is because he was meeting with uh, another one of his his buddies. And he said, I'm D.B. Cooper, and I can prove it to you. You see those people over there. They're at some sort of party. That family's going to find D.B., the money. And a couple of days later, they did on the Columbia River. So that's why this became very legitimate with this. So there one were other person. people that found it, or no? It was this, it was those. The, the it was that father family. and son. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Brian Ingram, Brian Ingram's family and their son found that money on the Columbia River. So we did we did talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. So, but what what made this so interesting is because. This guy claimed that this family would find some of the money, and then they did days later. I don't know if that's actually just a coincidence, someone just talking, and suddenly well, if, the news connect things and go, oh, wow. But If, if, if that actually has proved that he had said that mm-hmm. to the right family, that can't be coincidence. Yeah. It but, just but, isn't that coincidental. Yeah, yeah. And I go, wait a minute. People who want to be, because this is already a famous story for years. So people who want to be a part of the story to say that they had something to do with it could make up a story and and make the claim that, yeah, this family, I saw them at a party and Dick Briggs said that they would find the money after the fact, <laughs> right? After they, like, knowing the story could then make the claim that, oh, yeah, a couple of nights before I was told the story that this family would find it, and then they did. It's like foreseeing the future yeah, that was after like, knowing what had already <clears> happened. Because <laughs> am I wrong that it's been sitting there for like 13 years at that point? Uh, no, it's like nine years. Nine years? Yeah. It was yeah. in 71. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's kind of an interesting reason why this, this particular person became a person of interest because that claim had been made and proven to be true. But, of course, after the fact. So who knows what the timeline actually was and if they were just making it up. Yeah. So, but this, uh, so the investigator, Tom Colbert, ends up pursuing this, this, uh, you know, this Dick Briggs and eventually meets a guy who talks about this other guy named Bob Rackstraw. The these two guys were somehow associated with each other. Sound like there was a military connection there, and some potential, you know, criminal activity. And so Tom Colbert pursues uh, investigating Robert uh, Rackstraw, and that's where this Netflix series really comes in because it talks about all of these connections that this Robert Rackstraw had and um and there's a lot of compelling evidence hmm. but let me see if i can find the picture yeah. i don't think he looks like the sketch and all the other people said oh yeah it looks just like the sketch and i go mm, i'm just not convinced it doesn't seem to me like they are 
Um, Let me look. I'm an expert. One in the same. I'm person. an expert. I'll let you know. We'll we'll finalize this once for all. <laughs> uh, that is the mugshot of Robert Rackstraw next to the picture of DB Cooper. I really don't see much similarity there. I mean, there's a little bit, but then again, you know, there are a million people. I mean, we thought maybe you look like my grandpa. <laughs> but that was a young picture of this picture of Robert Rackstraw when he was older. Bearded up, eyes are kind of weird. That doesn't look like this guy. You're right. <clears throat> but there are some similarities. But, I just don't think it's... at the same enough. time, I agree, but at the same time, when they have these sketches, they're, they're only similar. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some similarities in that picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I could say, hey, listen here, rack straw, I want you to straight lip your mouth and you know mm-hmm. and, and have that look he would it would look even more so but yeah there is some similarities there yeah it's of course it's harder to see somebody with a beard but i know somebody that could have a beard and shave it and look completely different yeah to the the but it, it's not i will say this it's not smacking in the face going oh my gosh and it's about the same age mm-hmm. of of that picture ish you yeah. know so i look you would at, think it would look closer i look at like some of the face um the face shape it's not quite the same you know pointed down at the chin but they're just they're this taking guy, they're taking verbal um instruction yeah though. exactly so rackstraw has a, a pretty large nose and his eyes are <clears throat> kind of set back and kind of creepy dark um big eyebrows and i don't see that same those big distinct features from the db cooper sketch the only thing for me I would say is because I, I couldn't tell you that for sure it would be him or not, you mm-hmm. know, looking like that, looking there. But looking at that picture of Ragstraw, I'd get disappointed. He doesn't look very slick in that picture. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. the the DB picture, you know, the the sketches that they put on there, he, he looks mysterious and, and you know, like he's, you know, very thoughtful. And this guy here looks like a slack-jawed yokel, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the reason that... that... Colbert was was pursuing him so much is a lot of the back background of Rackstraw, uh, military background. He potentially had made claims that he was uh, part of the CIA at some point. That was using that was doing some special ops stuff in the military, and had some skills that would lend to something like this. Also was was kicked out of the military and was involved in some scams and stuff. And so there was some history from Rackstraw that would lend to the character of D.B. Cooper. And, and then the other thing is that, <clears throat> that Rackstraw never denied it. He kept playing along with it. Like he would say, oh, well, I can't talk about that. Or, you know, the interviews were more like it looked like he was kind of stringing the people on. Like he didn't want to admit to anything well, he's getting because attention. it makes him look exactly because it exactly kept kept uh, I mean how many people in, in, in how many people in prison do that just mm-hmm. they'll lie about hey I, I I was witness to that murder man just to get attention mm-hmm. just to get some new perks I want to read a little little piece here about Rackstraw um so it says here that uh his history is a bit blurred but it's been confirmed that he served as an army pilot um 
similar to what the profilers had seen for or who had suggested for uh, D.B. Cooper. He also had previous connection to the CIA, but was discharged from the Army in 1971, five months prior to the plane jacking. He died in, two, in 2019, but during his life he had been charged with fraud and attempted to steal a plane. It was that plane, uh, when that plane was discovered, he had made attempts to fake his own death. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. While he was eliminated from the official investigation in 1979, Rackstraw became the central suspect of the sleuth Tom Colbert. Well, that's proof that he's willing to do some extreme things. Because mm-hmm. that's extreme. Yeah. Rackstraw later went on to record to say that the investigation cost him his job. Upon the presentation uh, of a photo of Rackstraw that the heir stewardess, stewardesses who had close connections with Cooper, said that they had the wrong guy. So they were saying that this is not the same guy. Well, especially if they're still around and they actually could physically see him in person. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, he also said, uh, the stewardess said that he was much younger than the approximate 40-year-old who was D.B. Cooper. Uh, Despite being hounded by Sluice, who had pinned him as the most likely D.B. Cooper suspect and even being offered $20,000 up front if he admitted it. Rackstraw went to his grave denying that he was the famed hijacker. Man, you see, you can't do that because that could give you a false positive. Yeah, well, and... That's not true. And and he was offered uh, by this uh, Tom um, um, Colbert because he wanted to create this documentary and was going to pay him at least pay him to get him to admit to whatever it was, what, you know, however honest it might've been, but just give us an answer. Were you, or were you not? Cause he was always kind of him and hawing and saying, Oh, I can't talk about that. Or, Oh, I, it's like, come on. You're, you're in the show. Say something. So don't worry yeah. about it. We're not going to take you out of the yeah. show. Just tell us, you know? Yeah. But, now there were, you know, there were other people who were involved in in this as like famous people. Uh, I found one of them <laughs> um, kind of interesting because they ended up being the first um, sex change in Washington State. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Barbara. Dayton, born for, in uh, Florida as Bobby Dayton, May 10th, uh, 1926, died in Nevada, 2002, at the age of 76, ran away from home at the age of 16, ended up in Oregon, then joined the Merchant Marines at age 17 during World War II, received the first sex reassignment surgery in Washington State in 1969. Wow. Yeah, interesting. They must have botched <clears throat> that in 69. Yeah. <laughs> After being rejected, um, Let's see, from John Hopkins. Uh, let's see here. Had the permanent, oh, had the temperament, skills, and knowledge to uh, successfully hijack a plane. Barb always wore long sleeves to cover up tattoos she got during the military when she was Bobby. While in uh, the Philippines, she began getting a tattoo for every port she had visited. Her friends Pat and Ron Foreman claimed Barb hijacked the plane and demanded ransom, not because she actually wanted the money, but because she wanted to eat get even with the commercial airline industry that re- refused to license her or hire her. Hmm. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's a motive, at least. That's more than some of these other people. So. <laughs> well, yeah. I just thought that's kind of a weird one. I don't know if you can see this this picture here. But uh, she's... That's her. <laughs> that's him. 
That's DB. That's DB right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's an interesting one. I, that one I don't put a whole lot of stock in, but uh, she but, she ended up becoming like a, a calm librarian, but as a dude, she was or he was very like military in your face, uh, high strung. Really? Yeah. And one of the 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 folks, she's a specialist in. I don't know if she was CIA or FBI, but she was a specialist in disguise. She was making some comments in in wow. this, no, not this lady, but oh. <laughs> in in the Netflix special, she was talking about if someone wanted to do this, they would probably disguise themselves. And so she talked about you know what you would do to disguise yourself. And one of the interesting things is this tie that DB Cooper was wearing because that was left over on the plane. And coming from a guy that wanted to keep a note, mm-hmm. that's odd. Yeah. That it was on purpose? Yeah, I don't know. And um, this tie had, the, they did a whole bunch of like forensic studies and found that it had different types of materials that were somewhat rare. In one case, it was like commercial level titanium, which at the time was very unique. In a tie? Yeah, little specks of titanium. In a, that was on the tie. And what was interesting is that uh, the airline industry at the time wasn't really using it except in specialized areas. Like Boeing wasn't really using it except for certain military planes. So there was some assumptions that that could have been a Boeing uh, employee because that person could have come in contact with some of these types of materials. Wow. But it was a clip-on tie. Mm-hmm. And if you're in disguise... Why would you wear your own tie that you wear to work? Right. <laughs> well, maybe the... <laughs> on a hijack, <laughs> on a hijacking. I, that doesn't make much sense yeah. to me. It's probably all p- part of the plan, you know. Like to, I just to, think he left uh, for confusion. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, I just think that if you're going to do something like this, you're going to do some things that is completely it opposite. Has to be on purpose. Yeah, completely opposite of what you would normally be dressed as. And why would you do it? Yeah, and why would you do it on purpose mm-hmm. again? From a guy that wants to get the note back, he's gonna. It, there's not gonna be anything left that wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, leave the tie because that'll take people down a different path. You know, and here's here's the thing that that I don't know if I don't know if these people I don't know if you've read it mm-hmm. have been if if they were people that was previously interviewed by the FBI mm-hmm. were they? Yep. So to my point is they probably already interviewed him. Mm-hmm. You know how many people they interview killers and they move on? And in fact, they'll interview a killer and then the killer, and then they'll find somebody because they already already have their mindset and push that and they already talk to the killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. It's so interesting because it's still an unsolved mystery. I, I could actually see that, that they would go, oh my gosh, this guy looks exactly like him, but you know, he's not from the military, so you know. You know, like like they'll 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 throw him off to the side just because he has everything but one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just a lot of assumptions about who he was based on what he wore um, when he did this this hijacking. Um, some assumptions on you know how qualified he was in his skills because he chose a certain parachute or decided that he was going to ask for very specific parachutes. Uh, versus knowing that the plane could fly at lower speeds with the flaps down mm-hmm. at a lower altitude, and that the the back end of that seven twenty seven could Google open it. up. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is this is stuff you have to know. Mm-hmm. And people didn't know outside of their skill levels very much back then. You know what I mean? Because, again, not to be funny, but there was no Google. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I could go out there and, and, you know, tear my engine apart, and I've never done it before, but I could YouTube it and do it. <laughs> yeah. Jack it up. But still, mm-hmm. back then, not so much. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I agree. That's, it's, a, it's a very... For him to do this, get away with it, only having a certain amount of clues left or evidence left over, I, I would jump to the conclusion that this guy had planned it and planned it very well and had at least the skills necessary to do it either through a professional uh, experience or that he spent a fair amount of time researching and figuring out the best way to do it. Yeah, which leads me to believe that he would have been successful mm-hmm. and whatever he wanted, whatever he wanted to do with the money, he did it. You know, mm-hmm. so I. So the I, the only uh, the only evidence that was left behind, uh, the tie, an open parachute and pack, you know that he had taken some of the paracord and from, and that was hardly even evidence. Mm-hmm. The the plane ticket, uh, and samples of the money that was found on the Columbia River. Now he smoked several cigarettes while he was on the plane. Yes, he did. Yeah. But it's not listed in the evidence. Which, and now nowadays you could actually pull DNA from right. from someone sucking on a on a cigarette, but I didn't see that as part of the evidence that still remains. That's funny you said that. I I have not heard anything about the cigarettes either, and I thought he was even in fact chain smoking. I thought he yeah smoked, they had I, I made he some assumptions several. Yeah, there were some uh, assumptions that he uh, always drank bourbon and uh, and smoked a lot. That he was a heavy drinker and smoked a lot. But again, if you're going to do this and throw people off, maybe this is your first bourbon in seven. I was just going to say. I was just going to say. <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if it's a celebratory drink? Yeah. You know. What if it's well? I can make them do whatever I want. So. Or it's just part of your act, right? And that's mm-hmm. the whole point. From DB Cooper mm-hmm. could be John. We don't have a clue. <laughs> and you mm-hmm. know what? He could be a woman now. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. And I give props to where it's due. It doesn't mean I, I think that he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. I don't celebrate him. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he was very methodical and I think more than what people were thinking. I mean, he was very, he had it planned very well. And uh, I think that, that he achieved all of his plans or, yeah, you know, yeah, all of his bullet points that he wanted to do. And again, there was nothing to stop him. I don't think anybody knew what the hell to do. He wants 200 grand. Let's get him 200 grand. Four parachutes. Get him four parachutes. <laughs> I, I'm shocked he didn't say, fill up the tanks. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like bonds. Get a couple <laughs> of them on here. I got a bomb. Uh, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it was too easy, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost so easy, it couldn't fail. You know, I mean, well, it, yeah, it was the first time. Uh, um, no one else had done it up to that point, right? So, and for and yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's wrap this up. What do you say? Yes. Okay, so if if you are interested in more about this, there's a website, citizensleuths dot com, and they have a whole bunch of different stuff on DB Cooper. Uh, this is still kind of an open case for a lot of people. FBI really isn't putting any resources uh, towards it, but. These folks are, and there's tons of really great information on their yeah. on their site. It's a lot of research, 
And uh, and of course, yeah, if you know anything about it, go contact those guys. Yep. So. Yep. All right. Uh, I guess that's it for now, huh? Yeah, I think it should be. Okay. <laughs> I think we've got we've covered it very thoroughly. Awesome. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. We'd love to grow the audience. And until we see you next time, uh, take care and be safe.